0: I'm part of the leadership team here at Jubilee. Um, It's really good to see so many people here today. And if it's your first time, if you're visiting, thank you so much for coming. Now today we're continuing in our teaching series um, on the book of Jonah. Um, It's just a little book found towards the end of the Old Testament, um, but it's an amazing book. There is so much in it. And Alison spoke two weeks ago um, from chapter one on how Um, Jonah tried to run away from God, um, but ended up being swallowed by the big fish. Then Dan spoke um, last week from chapter 2 on how in the belly of the fish, Jonah thought about who he was and who God was, and ended up responding to God. And today, it's my privilege to speak to you from chapter 3, and my title is Going With God. But first of all, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had to ask someone a second time to do something? (laughs) Oh, laughter. Okay. Now, it might be, it might be, if you've got teenage children, you've had to say to them a second time, will you turn your music down? It might be. That you are a teenager, and you've had to say to your parents a second time, can you play some decent music? Um, Or it might be that you've been in a car with somebody, maybe your partner, maybe a friend, and you've had to say a second time, the speed cameras you need to slow down. I think some of you might have had that. So chapter three is the story of how God had to tell Jonah a second time to do something before he obeyed God. And I'm simply dividing the story up today into Jonah's response, the Ninevites' response, God's response, and then seeing what we, as a people here today, can learn from that. So first of all, Jonah's response. Jonah's the man that um, we are going to be learning about today, okay? So Jonah was swallowed by a big fish because he decided to run away from God, and we're going to learn more about Jonah today, Mark. So Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. I'm reading lots of different parts of the Bible today. The words will be coming up on the screens around. Or if you've got your own Bible, you can turn to them. But that's Jonah chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah, but the first time the word of the Lord had come to Jonah was right back at the start of this book in Jonah chapter 1. And there it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness... Has come up before me. God was determined to get the attention of the Ninevites. They were the people that lived in Nineveh. He desperately wanted them to turn from their wickedness and turn to Him. And the man he chose to take the message was the prophet Jonah. Even though in chapter one we see how Jonah totally messed up. Messed up more than getting a speeding ticket when your partner's told you to slow down. He messed up big time. He was still the man for the job. And right at the start of this chapter, we see God's compassion, not only for the great city of Nineveh, but also for Jonah, the man who tried to run away from him. Jonah tried so hard to ignore God, but God still wanted to use him. God didn't remind Jonah of his disobedience. He didn't say, Jonah, I can't believe how stupid you've been trying to run away from me. I can't believe it. He didn't say, now don't you try that trick again, Jonah. Might not be a second fish willing to swallow you up if you run from me this time. And he didn't say, Jonah, that prayer you prayed in the belly of the fish about making good your vows, well, I'm holding you to it. You understand? No, God didn't say any of those things. God desired Jonah's repentance, not just in the words that he prayed, but in his actions. He wanted a change of Jonah's heart that was demonstrated by what Jonah did. And God, in his grace, was giving Jonah a second chance. He didn't want Jonah just to think about the plight of the wicked Ninevites. He didn't want Jonah just to pray for them, even though that would have been good. And he didn't want Jonah to suggest to someone else that they went to Nineveh. God wanted Jonah to go. It's easy for us to read about Jonah trying to run away from God and think, that's just stupid. Did he really think? he'd get away with it. I'd never do that. I'd always listen to God the first time. But do we? If we're really honest, do we always listen the first time? Sometimes we struggle to listen to simple human commands, don't we? Never mind a pretty significant call from God. The Bible doesn't tell us why Jonah didn't go the first time what was going through his head when God spoke to him a second time, but I want us to think about some possible reasons. So Jonah might have thought it doesn't make sense. God, you know how useless I feel and how, yeah, I'm messed up big time and I'm still pretty wobbly after those three days in the fish guard and I don't even know the way to Nineveh. It doesn't make sense. Jonah might have thought, God, it's scary. Those Ninevites are so wicked. You said so, God, yourself. There's no way they'll listen to me. They'll probably slit my throat or skin me alive. No way. Or he might have thought, it's not my thing. God, I've never been to Nineveh. You know I don't like traveling. I don't even like those people. God, Just ask someone else. These reasons could make sense. They're quite valid arguments. But something had changed between when God said go the first time to Jonah and when he said go again. The Ninevites hadn't changed. God certainly hadn't changed. But in the belly of the fish, Jonah had had an encounter with the living God so when God said to him a second time go he obeyed Jonah 3 verse 3 says Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh nice and simple probably not we don't know where the fish vomited Jonah onto dry land We don't know how soon God spoke to Jonah when he found himself on the beach. But Nineveh was inland, okay, in northern Iraq, where the modern-day city of Mosul is. So the nearest that Jonah was to the city of Nineveh was about 400 miles, and it could have been much, much further. Jonah had to get to Nineveh probably walking all the way. There were no sat there were no signposts, there probably weren't even any pavements. Do you know, sometimes it's hard to walk to the front of church, isn't it? To bring a prayer or a, a message of encouragement. And sometimes we struggle to get up and go out to church to pray when it's cold and wet and you've just had your tea. Jonah had to go all the way to Nineveh. What was going through his mind as he walked? We we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. When When did God give him the message to proclaim? As he set off or when he could actually see Nineveh in the distance? We don't know that either. But I believe that as he walked, he proved God's faithfulness. Physically, Jonah was crossing into new countries, and he was crossing religious and cultural boundaries. He was leaving behind a known way of life and going into an unknown place with unknown life and customs and religion. He was going from where he was accepted to where he was a stranger. He was going from where he was safe to where he was most certainly in danger. Yeah, archaeology shows that the town of Nineveh, the city of Nineveh, was in some ways like a modern city of culture. Um, There were parks, there were gardens, there were public squares, there was even a zoo there. But the Assyrians who ruled the city were building their huge empire through wickedness and violence. It wasn't a nice place to go if you weren't one of them. But Jonah, the man who had encountered God in the belly of the fish, didn't focus on the questions. He didn't focus on his past failures or on his present fears. He heard God speak and the second time he obeyed God. So if we carry on into into the passage, we'll look now at the Ninevites' response. It says, Jonah 3 verse 3, now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God and a fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. (coughs) He told his people in verse 8, let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger, so we will not perish. Wow, an eight-word sermon. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. In that bit, Jonah doesn't even mention God. Did he say more? Possibly that those eight words were the crucial message that God wanted the people here and wanted us to hear as we read the Bible now. We're not told whether Jonah reminded the people of how evil they were, that they needed to repent or to fast or to pray. We're simply told that he gave them an eight-word prophetic message and discovered that God had gone ahead of him. God was already there in the city. Just as God had gone ahead of Jonah, And provided a fish to save him from drowning in chapter one, God had again gone ahead of Jonah and was moving in the hearts of the wicked people. The power of Jonah's message wasn't just in what Jonah said, but it was in his actual going and saying it. Jonah was prophetically demonstrating God's character. The people of, jo- of, of the people of Nineveh, sorry, had many gods, gods with a little g, but Jonah t- showed them the one true God. A God who longed to change people's acts, who, who longed to change people's lives, sorry, and wanted to meet them where they were at. And we still have the same God who longs to change people's lives and meets people where they are at. Whatever our lives are like, however far we've tried to run from him, however selfish our thoughts, whatever other people think of us, we have a God who comes and meets us where we are at. You may struggle with that. You may never have heard anything like it before. You may be a Christian, but sometimes your failures seem bigger Than your faith but in this story we see the king a hugely powerful man responding to a god he doesn't actually know and saying with a very fragile faith who knows who knows god may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so we will not perish The king tells the people of Nineveh, it was about half the population of Hull, to turn from their evil ways, to humble themselves. That would be shown in their fasting and their sackcloth and ashes. And it wasn't just the people that were to fast, but their animals too. Everyone in the city was to stop what they were doing and focus on God, not focus on their livelihoods, not focus on their animals, not focus on trading goods or traveling around the city on horseback or in carriages. They were all to stop and call urgently on God, not on one of their many little gods, but on the one true God who held their future in the balance. So then the story moves on to God's response and at the end of the chapter in verse 10 we read when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Wow. Turn to the person next to you and say wow. People think the miracle in the book of Jonah is the the big fish coming and swallowing Jonah and keeping him safe, keeping him safe until they got to dry land. Yeah, that was a miracle. I'm not denying that. But in that miracle, one man was saved. Here in chapter 3, a huge miracle occurs. The whole city turns to God. The whole city was saved. And as they turned from their evil ways, God turned away from the destruction he was threatening the city with. God responded as the people responded to him. In the New Testament book of Romans, we read, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God still responds as we respond to him. Can you imagine what this city would look like if the whole city responded to God? I can't. Do you know, I can't even imagine what my street would look like if my neighbors, my friends along the street turned to God. I can't believe what it would look like if my close friends who don't know Jesus responded to God. But I long to see God changing hearts in this city. I long to see him bringing healing where there's pain, bringing freedom so people can worship him, giving hope where there is despair. That's what God did in Nineveh, and that's what our God still does today. That's what God did in Nineveh. And that's what God still does today. So what are we going to do about it? Thank you, Carl. There was a wow from the middle there. Um, Jonah was sent on a mission. And Jonah's go was to go to Nineveh. Jesus was sent on a mission. His go was to go from heaven to come to earth. And as he was leaving the earth... In Matthew 28, he said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We are to go and tell people the good news of Jesus. These verses are sometimes called the Great Commission, And Rick Warren, Rick Warren, sorry, in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, says, This commission was given to every follower of Jesus, not just pastors and missionaries alone. This is your commission from Jesus, and it is not optional. These words of Jesus are not the great suggestion. If you are part of God's family, Your response is mandatory or compulsory. To ignore it would be disobedience. Hard words, aren't they? But Jesus tells us to go. God chooses us as believers, as friends of Jesus, to be part of his rescue mission to the world. And he still says, go. It might be, go and join the outreach team and speak hope into people's lives on the streets of Hull. Do you know, yesterday, the outreach team went out and they prayed for so many people on the streets and they have five people making commitments to follow Jesus. That is exciting, isn't it? God might say, go and offer to pray for your friend who's unwell. Don't just pray for them on your own. Go and say to them, can I pray for you? I believe God heals. He might say, go and be part of our next church plants in North Hull. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 11 and 14 says, since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That's surrender. Earlier, we considered three possible excuses Jonah could have used when God said go. It doesn't make sense, it's scary. It's not my thing. And in the last five minutes, I want us to think about those possible excuses. So the first one, it doesn't make sense. Over and over in the Bible, we read of people who obeyed God even when it didn't make sense. Without God, it doesn't make sense to give away our money in the offering back to God to use for his purposes through this church. Without God, it doesn't make sense to volunteer week after week after week in the church. Without God, it doesn't make sense to get up early to pray. You know, this week I was speaking to someone and they had got annual leave that they needed to use up at work. And they decided to take a day off and come in and serve in church. Do you know, without God, this doesn't make sense, does it? Without God, it doesn't make sense to move into new parts of the city and build relationships with people we don't know so they too can hear of a God who transforms lives. It might not make sense, but it excites me. So the second possible excuse, it's scary. Yeah, sometimes God does ask us to do things that are scary as we believe in him. Since 2008, I'd worked in a charity here in the city. Um, Two years ago, I reduced my hours, so I had more time to serve here in Jubilee. But increasingly, last year, I believed that God was saying that my time there was coming to an end. Finally, in September, I handed in my notice. It was scary when I wrote my resignation letter. And yeah, I actually burst into tears when I gave it to my boss. Um, that was how scary the step was for me. It was scary in December when I left services I was passionate about and colleagues who were my good friends. But I knew God was saying, go. And I knew I had to obey. It was scary when God asked Steve and Joe to move to Hull to plant a church in a city they didn't know and they hadn't been to. And yeah, look around at us here today. We are the result of them being willing when God said go to say yes and God's blessing. When God says go, we need to focus on him and not on our fears. And the final one, it's not my thing. The Bible has so many stories in of people stepping into roles that were not their thing as they obeyed God's call. David was a shepherd boy, he became a king. Joseph was a carpenter, he became the earthly father of jesus i don't know about you but it's bad enough being a parent isn't it let alone let alone to the son of god not my thing just before christmas someone came to me and asked if they could join the explorers team and that's the the team that serve the children here on a sunday morning and i'm always thrilled when people come and ask me that but i was even more pleased because this person was a man and kids work isn't just for women. Um, But I was even more pleased because this man doesn't even have children himself. He could have said, it's not my thing. Other people should look after the children. But he heard God speaking and he wanted to obey God and be part of the team. There's lots of excuses we can make for not going, for playing safe. But then you may miss out on the privilege of being part of God's amazing plan. It might be you simply need to get up and go across the room, maybe at college or in your workplace, so that you can be a friend and in time be able to share your faith. It might be you need to go to another city or even another country, as Jonah did. It might be you're physically limited by health or other difficulties, but you can still go and pray, and you can still go and ring someone up and speak encouragement and compassion and care. As followers of Jesus, we are all called to join God in his great rescue mission to the world. And as we encounter God, as we experience his forgiveness, his love, and his grace, we can go and be part of what God is doing. And as Jonah found, God, in his great compassion and his mercy, goes ahead of us as we step out with him. Can you stand, please? And if the band can come back up.